0: Welcome to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. I'm Jennifer, your host, a mental health and wellness advocate, and a trauma survivor. This platform will be used to break the silence and create awareness around mental health in the black community and in general for all people. My hope is that you will feel seen, heard, supported, and valued as we progress through the journey of healing and growing. Welcome back to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. This week, our topic is childhood trauma. But before we dig into that, I just wanted to recap a little bit from last week's topic. Last week, our topic was what is trauma? And I discussed different um, contributing factors that would play a role in the impact that the trauma would have on someone. And there was one thing that I didn't cover that I wanted to just kind of cover right now, and that is emotional stability. For example, if in general you don't handle stress well or you were already like under a lot of stress or pressure at the time you experienced your trauma, that would most likely make the impact a lot greater. So, we were discussing, you know, why is it that one person is impacted one way and someone else is impacted a different way? So, that was just another contributing factor that I didn't get a chance to mention last week. So, I just wanted to bring that up. So, let's dive in. Childhood trauma. Here are some examples of different adverse childhood experiences. So, physical abuse is one, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Physical neglect, emotional neglect, mother being treated violently, so if someone's experiencing or witnessing domestic violence, household substance abuse, parental separation or divorce, and incarcerated household member. So those are just a few um, examples of things that could be considered childhood trauma or a traumatic situation for a child or an adverse childhood experience. So I just kind of wanted to take a little time to just to speak to that because I talked about last week that depending on the age that you are when you experience your trauma, you know, the younger you are, it may have a greater impact because children don't really have the maturity level to to process these things. It's harder for them to process it on their own. And so that's why it could be a greater impact. So my personal experience with Childhood trauma. I had a few um, experiences before I even got out of elementary school. So, I guess the first situation that I could classify as being a a traumatic experience would be the death of my father. Um, I was about seven years old when he passed away. Well, actually, let me backtrack. So, my parents actually got divorced when I was about six or seven. And, you know, we usually don't think of divorce as a traumatic experience, but for a child, their whole life is kind of being shaken up and and changed around. So that could be hard for a child to process. So definitely divorce is considered a traumatic experience for many children. But in my particular case, about six months or so after my parents divorced, we had moved, relocated to another state. And then my dad passed away. He was not ill or anything like that. So it was a sudden death, a sudden passing. And so that was like another traumatic experience for me. So that's like within six months apart. And then I want to say about maybe like a year or two later, um, my grandfather passed away, my mom's dad, and he um, was in the islands. That's where he resided. And he came to Florida to visit us. That's where we were living at the time. Yeah, I was still in elementary school, so I was pretty young. And I was swimming in the swimming pool with him. And he was a really great swimmer. So we were having a good time in the pool. And then all of a sudden, he just lost his balance and kind of started drowning a little bit. Somehow I was able to kind of like help him stop drowning and kind of pull him to the side of the pool. I yelled for my mom to come out and, um, you know, we called the ambulance and all that. He didn't die right at that moment, but he did end up passing at the hospital so that was definitely a traumatic experience, and that is actually one that I buried that like not until this year did I even recall that that actually happened. like I knew it happened, but I had buried it so far that i I forgot I really kind of forgot about that experience and that's Definitely one of those things that our brain will do, it'll just, to to protect you, it'll just bury things really, really deep down and you just don't even have recollection of it. And that one ended up coming back up just through conversation with a coworker that talked about somebody passing from being in the pool. And then that memory just kind of popped out of nowhere. And I was like, wow, like that was actually a lot for a young child to to experience so close together. So what does that do to a person? So if you're like not even out of of elementary school and you had to deal with your parents divorce, then you had to deal with the the death of your your parent. And then shortly after that, the death of a grandparent and you were pretty much kind of present when they passed. um, That's a lot. So what does that do? What does that look like in your adult life if you don't address the trauma, if you don't talk about it, if you just bury it or suppress it or in denial about it, you know, how does that show up like later on? So for me in particular, I would say that as far as how did that childhood trauma show up in my adult life? When it came to my dad's passing, I think as an adult, I definitely for a long time just felt unprotected you know as a even yeah as a young girl as a grown woman just feeling like you know I don't have my dad there to protect me I don't have that male there to protect me definitely that's something that I carried for for quite some time and yeah just feeling like you know nobody was really looking out for me so I had to really like care for myself I think some feelings of abandonment not not the the typical i guess daddy wounds um that we you know we hear people talk about but definitely some feelings of abandonment um even though it was a death still ended up feeling like i was abandoned at times and what really has shown up most recently is that i don't really know like what a father daughter interaction is supposed to really look like you know i think because i lost my dad so early I just don't even have like the I don't have real good memories of of what it looked like when he was still here. I have some, but not it's not that vivid. So when I look at my husband and my daughter now, you know, my daughter is five years old. So when I'm looking at their interactions, sometimes I'm just like, wow, like I don't really know what that was, what that's like, you know, and I'm just looking at them in awe like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. You know, that's how, you know, a a, a father and a daughter interact. That's how that's that the, that the daddy's daddy's girl, the whole thing, like just just being able to experience that. And I'm like, you know, it just reminds you of what you didn't have. But it's it's a beautiful thing because I'm thankful that, you know, my daughter is able to experience that. So she will have that. And, you know, I'm def- definitely happy for that. But um, that's just an example of how, you know, your trauma will kind of just come back up. It'll creep up on you. You know, you can just get triggered and you don't even remember that. Oh, that was even in there. Like, I didn't even realize that I had that buried so deep. So anyways, you know, I just wanted to share a little bit about my my experiences with um, childhood trauma. Studies have shown 65% of kids experience childhood trauma. Forty percent of kids experience two or more childhood traumatic events. So the greater the number of adverse childhood experiences, the higher the risk of them developing physical or mental health problems. Now that's not etched in stone. That's not saying that's every scenario, but you know, these are just some numbers from different research that has been done so what are some red flags or signs that could indicate your child had an adverse experience i kind of want to approach the the conversation now from the angle of a parent as a parent what do you look for to ensure that if my child did experience something that i have the proper tools to help them or I can get them some help. So what, you know, how would you even know? Like if they don't come out and tell you, like, how do you know? Here are some signs of child traumatic stress. If your child is a preschool age, some examples are fearing separation from parents or caregivers, crying and or screaming a lot, eating poorly and losing weight, having nightmares. That's not like, Anytime a child has a nightmare or, you know, anytime your child experiences one of these, then, you know, you should automatically assume that your child, you know, had some type of traumatic experience. But these are some red flags that could pop up. And if you do see any of these, you know, just maybe take a little time to dig a little deeper and ask yourself, OK, well, you know, let me let me figure out what's going on and make sure that it's nothing, you know, more complicated If your child is elementary school aged, some of the examples are becoming anxious or fearful, feeling guilt or shame, having a hard time concentrating, having difficulty sleeping. If your child is middle and high school aged, some examples are feeling depressed or alone, developing disorders and self-harming behaviors beginning to abuse alcohol or drugs, becoming sexually active. You know, once again, if your child is showing any of these symptoms, it's just a red flag. It's just definitely something that I would encourage you to just, you know, do a little bit more research on and and dig a little deeper to figure out what's driving this change in their behavior. So if you do come to find that Okay, your child did experience something or if you are already aware, if you already know, like if you had a death in the family or, you know, you were in like a major car accident or anything like that. And, you know, already that your child definitely experienced something. Here are some tips that as a caregiver you can do. Assure the child that he or she is safe. Talk about the measures you're taking to get the child help and keep him or her safe at home and school. Explain to the child that he or she is not responsible for what happened. Children often blame themselves for events, even those events that are completely out of their control. And then also be patient. There's no correct timetable for healing. So some children will will recover quickly. Others recover more slowly. So just try to be supportive and reassure the child that he or she does not need to feel guilty or bad about any you know of the feelings or the thoughts that they have that's just some tips regarding childhood trauma you're concerned that your child may have experienced something so the reason why I wanted to take the time to talk about childhood trauma is because it's definitely critical in regards to our healing journey because A lot of the times things that we experienced as a child, it's buried really far down and it's it's suppressed and and we just don't acknowledge it. So like I said before, it's just very critical that we take the time to identify our unprocessed trauma, Um, because when we don't, it's going to show up, like I said, in different places, Um, whether it's physical pain in your body or in your relationships, you know, you just having difficulties relating to people, you know, it's it's gonna show up some type of way. So it's definitely critical to to do that. And, you know, I definitely am an advocate for talk therapy, taking the time to to talk to someone. Um venting to like your best friend is not a substitute for therapy. It's cool. We all need somebody to to vent to, but it doesn't replace you talking to a licensed professional because it's very strategic on how they they talk to you and how they can help you create a plan for healing and, and give you tools to implement. And as a believer, I know there are a lot of, um, you know, Christians out there that think that since God is a healer, that they don't need therapy. And I do believe God is a healer. I know he's a healer. I've, I've definitely can testify to that. However, that also does is not a substitute for therapy you know faith without works is dead so you still got to take action and and get the help that you need it should be no different than you going to like your primary care physician or if you're a woman going to your your gynecologist you would still go to those doctors to be seen so there's there's really no difference i hope we can get to a point where people will look at mental health in that same regard and not put it in a special box. You know, you can go to therapy for preventative care. Like if you know that you just are having a hard time and you're just feeling overwhelmed, you can just go just to have someone to talk to, to help you, to assist you with just everyday life. It, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, there's something like really, really, really bad happening right now. So I got to go talk to someone like it, it shouldn't even have to get to that point. Definitely, I encourage you guys to seek therapy as an option. So, yeah, so the healing journey is complicated. When you start to dig into some of this stuff, it doesn't feel good. I'm just going to be very transparent, you know, depending on, you know, what what you experienced, regardless of what you experience. It's, if it's a wound, it's, it's not going to feel good. So dig into it and peeling back the layers and digging this stuff up at first it's very uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's painful. It's it kind of just feels worse a little bit and I'm just being really honest and you're going to be like, well, what, why would I even want (laughs) to, why would I even want to do this then? Um, But you know, the truth is yes, it, it gets worse before it gets better because you're, you're stepping out of your comfort zone and, and you're, we've been conditioned to not deal with this stuff so you know it's a lot of unconditioning and unlearning and you know in the beginning it's it's really challenging but it's just worth it though because you know as you go along and you you continue with the process and you you just begin to to connect with yourself again because that's one of the things that trauma does to you um unprocessed trauma like you you disconnect from yourself and those of us that have experienced trauma really early in life, it's like we've gone on so long being disconnected from ourselves it's It's almost like we only know a wounded version of ourselves like we've never even met our whole self yet, and that's like powerful just to 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 even think about that so just to know that there's a version of of yourself that you've never met, you know, and that's That's like the best version of yourself. So just to know that that version of yourself is there, it's just like you got to you got to do the work to meet that person. And it's freedom. There's so much freedom in that. Again, if you do have children, it's like if you can do that and break some cycles, I mean, that's just one less battle like your kids are going to have to fight. I mean because what we don't heal, it might not be identical, but we're going to pass a lot of that stuff down. You can pass it down to your kids. You know, it's just going to be another load that they got to carry and that they're going to have to try to heal from. So if you can do it, that's just one less thing that they're going to have to worry about. And for me, that's that's a lot of motivation. And I'm at a point in my journey where I'm seeing the results. And so I'm very confident that I'm moving in the right direction and all of this is worth it. And it's not just, you know, a trend or something like, you know, this whole healing thing. People might think it's just a trend that's going to pass, but no, it's real and it's worth it. Just, I encourage anyone that's listening to take the time and do this work. It's it's definitely worth it. Talking about childhood trauma is not a betrayal to your family of origin. I just really want to make that very clear. Um you can talk about things that you experienced as a child and and not have to feel like you're betraying your your family because that's not what this is about. Um I know for me, I I love my family. I know that my my parents did the best that they could do. I think that my mom did a phenomenal job. You know what I mean, especially as a single mom for many years. So and I have a lot of gratitude to her for that, and I'm sure anyone that's listening probably feels the same way about their family of origin. So this is not a blame game. This is not, you know, saying that oh, you know, my my childhood was horrible, and this is not that. It's it's it, that's what this is not about. We're just I'm just trying to to get to that point where people can understand that it's it's okay. You know, even as a parent now myself, I know that I'm doing the best that I can, but I'm sure, you know, it's not perfect. Nothing is perfect. So I'm sure, you know, my kids one day could even say that there's something that that they experienced that, you know, wasn't helpful to them, you know, that was hurtful in some kind of way, you know what I mean? But it doesn't mean that they had like a horrible upbringing. So I just kind of want to put that out there because I think that people may feel unsafe may not think it's safe to be able to talk about these things you know because they feel that they carry that burden so back to how does childhood trauma show up in your adult life if i had to guess i think that the majority of people on a healing journey right now is probably from childhood trauma Primarily secondary, if I had to guess, I would say maybe romantic relationships. Third, maybe like toxic workplaces or something like that. But childhood trauma is it's huge. You know, um, if you guys have ever heard of that saying that, you know, you got to heal your inner child, your wounded inner child, because what happens is when you experience trauma as a child, it's almost like we stop developing at that. At that point, um, in certain ways, like our brain, because we're trying to process, we don't know how to process what we what we're experiencing, Um, and so you grow up and you become an adult, but parts of you are still seven, parts of you are still twelve, because maybe that's the age when you experienced your trauma, and you're kind of stuck there. So it's it's very critical that we we figure out how to process it and heal from it because so that we can go forward. So the way that, you know, it can show up in your adult life, I think a good one is probably being emotionally unavailable. And that may just stem from, you know, maybe just being in a, an environment that was just not safe emotionally. And what what does that look like? So You know, if you're just, you know how when we were growing up, a lot of times they would say, oh, children are meant to be seen and not heard. So you didn't really have a voice (laughs) and you probably felt like your feelings didn't matter, you know, because your parents had more important things to do with. They had bills, they were stressed out, they were maybe working two, three jobs. You know what I mean? You had to fend for yourself. Um, You know, there's so many different different variables to it you know there's so many layers but then you know as an adult you might just be like in a shell you know what I mean you don't trust people you're not you don't know how to be vulnerable Um, because maybe as a child when you did try to talk about things you know you were shut down or you were dismissed you know things like that you know that's one of the ways that it can you know show up and then also they have what is called now narcissistic family structure. We didn't know what that was growing up. I mean, I know I didn't know. And I don't even think that term was around back then. But nowadays, we hear the term narcissist like all the time. So, part of that narcissistic family structure, you would have a golden child and then you have a scapegoat child. And in you, even if you go and do some research on those two terms, each of those kids would have experienced their own form of trauma because the scapegoat child is the, it's like the black sheep. They're the child that everybody blames everything on. They're the one that they just can't do anything right. And everybody takes out their frustration on that, that one child. And it's like, it's just okay. Everybody's on the same page. Like, yeah, we just dump on this one person. Um, and the parent is the ringleader because the parent says the example and for whatever reason, that's just the child, the child that they take everything out on. And then you have the the golden child where they can do no wrong. And usually the golden child does a lot of like messed up stuff. But the stuff that the golden child does gets swept under the rug and they just can do no wrong, you know, and they're, they're just upheld to on um, they're put on this pedestal. And then, you know, even the parents could kind of create a division between the siblings. So the parents don't even want the siblings to get along because they want to be able to control the narrative and control everything in, in the household and in the entire family and control who can talk to who and et cetera, et cetera. So those are all like forms of emotional abuse and it, it, it'll it mess you up. It really will mess you up. You know, narcissists, when they grow up, they don't have a lot of them don't have any empathy. They don't have any feelings. It's all about them. You know, they have this grandiose sense of self. It's 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 really challenging. I think the only type of people that can be around them are like, yes, men, you know, but anyone that tries to challenge them or hold them accountable, forget it. Like they don't take accountability for anything. And that's just not healthy, you know. So that's all related to to childhood trauma. You know, it's just it's just critical that we just take the time to process the stuff and seek some therapy and get help with it. It's really worth it to go through the process to heal from this stuff and become a whole person, a healthier person for your family, for yourself. Anyone that's within close proximity to you, once you start your healing, you know, and you get into the point where you're seeing results, it's going to benefit all of those that are around you. But um, I wanted to set that straight about, you know, this is not a betrayal to your origin of family because sometimes if you communicate to your family that, okay, you know, I'm going to go to therapy, or if you just decide to go on your own and, you know, now you're taking the necessary steps for your healing and you start changing, one of the first things you might start learning to do if you don't do already is, is implementing boundaries. Cause another trauma response could be that you're a people pleaser because maybe you grew up in a home where, you know, if you didn't please everybody, then, You were punished emotionally and and maybe like affection and stuff was withheld from you. So you probably now as an adult go above and beyond, you know, to please everybody just seeking approval because you don't think that you can get love and affection and approval without you having to do all this stuff for everybody. So some, you know, sometimes families are not going to be on board with you wanting to to pursue this journey. And that's, it's definitely unfortunate, but healing is for you. It's not, it's not for anyone else. You can't, it's not your job to try to fix anyone else. You know, all you can do is work on yourself. And, you know, if they were to ask you like, Hey, you know, I noticed these positive changes and you're like, you know, what have you been doing at that point? Yeah, you can share, but it's not our job to shove it down their throats and, you know, (laughs) And say you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, And if you're listening to this podcast, that already tells me that you're, you know, you're probably already at that point where you want to pursue healing. So we can't shove it down their throats. So just focus on yourself, focus on your own healing, focus on what you need to do. And if, you know, some people decide, well, they don't want to mess with you right now because they don't understand or they don't like this new you. That's okay. Fine support systems. That was one of the goals in mind for me with even creating this podcast is just to to be a voice, to encourage others, because it can get very lonely because you're like exploring territory that you've you've never walked on before and that can kind of at times make you second guess yourself or doubt yourself and you may want to go back to your old ways your old patterns you know and go back to even being around certain people that you know is just not healthy for you but because it's familiar you may regress and want to go back but try to find healthy relationships you know people that you're not codependent on people that you can just that doesn't they don't want anything from you that just have your best interest at heart. So when your trauma is not processed and it's pretty severe and and it's gone on for an extended period of time, it can potentially develop into the term PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so people that have PTSD can become triggered and a trigger is something that happens in the present but in your mind when it happens your mind goes to the past so you're not really seeing the situation in the present like what's actually happening in front of you it's like you have like a filter over your eyes you're just seeing it through the past and so for example you know something minor can happen And your reaction to it is like off the charts or it's just, it's just weird. And it's because you're not really seeing the situation in reality. I'm trying to think of like a really good example. So let's say you got into like a really bad car accident. For a while, you may not even feel comfortable driving, you know? And if you're ever like in a situation where it's similar to, the accident that you was in previously, like you could just kind of start to freak out a little bit because your brain is triggered to think of the past. Your brain is trying to protect yourself from the pain that you experienced once before. You may freeze up, you know, you just may, you may just become very fearful. You may have a panic attack. You know, there's just so many things that could actually happen or you can just, you know, you can just get like really depressed um, if one of the traumas was related to, to death, loss of a loved one. People may get triggered on the anniversary of the death or the person's birthday or something like that, because now you're you're thinking about that person. And that's a form of grieving, but it can also be some PTSD in there. You know what I mean? Depending on how the person died. So, you know, these things can just really affect your day to day life. And it's almost like you're just carrying a weight or a burden and you just want to become free. For me, that's just all the motivation in the world to seek therapy and, and anything that's gonna, you know, really help me. Like I've never, personally, I've never been on any medication or anything like that. I've never even been offered medication from a therapist. And that was one of the things that actually probably delayed me from <laughs> seeing one for a long time because I and know what, nothing's against anyone that is on medication you know what I mean because I'm sure in certain scenarios it's very necessary depending on your situation I'm just someone that I don't like taking pills I don't really like medicine period like I will try to find an alternate route if there is one I was under the impression a long time ago before I educated myself that if I go talk to someone, they're going to try to put me on antidepressants or put me on something like, you know, whatever stuff that they prescribe. And again, no, nothing's wrong with those that take medicine like that. But me personally, like I said, I just don't I always try to avoid medicine no matter what the situation is. So, yeah, I was concerned and I was like, I don't want to talk to nobody because I'm afraid that they're going to try to do that. But That is not the only route. A lot of times talk therapy is sufficient um, for trauma survivors and for PTSD and things like that. So you would just need to talk to a professional and obviously they could explain to you precisely what your situation is. But just know that that's not an automatic. There's a lot of holistic approaches out there as well. So if you're like me, there are other options. All right, well, I'm coming to a close. I don't want to drag this episode out for too long. And I just want you guys to be patient. I'm starting this off with uh, trauma because it's it's just critical. But it's just heavy stuff. There will be topics down the road that are a lot lighter than this. <laughs> but we got to just lay down. I got to lay the foundation because we're going to build from it. Again, thank you for listening. Please reach out. To me with feedback and your thoughts. Um, I can be reached at Heal and Grow Journey Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also reach me on Instagram at Heal and Grow Journey. So enjoy the rest of your week. Until next time.